Miracy. Long ago, the land that today we call Ecuador was part of a rich and prosperous Inca kingdom. But the ruling emperor was sad because his only son had fallen ill. None of the doctors could help this boy, and his father was worried that he might die. He went to the temple and prayed to the gods, O great ones, I pray to you, please make my son strong and healthy, so that one day he can rule my people when I am gone. Suddenly a voice came out of the fire burning before the altar, and it said, The young prince must drink water from the magic lake, the lake at the end of the world, where the sky touches the water. The prince can be cured only with water from the magic lake. The fire flamed up brightly, and then it sputtered out, and there in the ashes lay a golden flask. Hi, I'm Lisa Bloom, the Story Coach, and you're listening to Once Upon a Business. In each episode, we'll explore a story, a fairy tale, folktale, or traditional story, so that we can discover the amazing lessons relevant for business and for entrepreneurs. The old emperor was too old to journey to the end of the world to find the magic lake, and his son was too sick. So the emperor sent forth a proclamation throughout the land, offering a rich reward to any person who could fill that golden flask with water from the magic lake. It happened that in a valley, some distance from the emperor's palace, there lived a poor farmer, his wife, two sons, and a young daughter. And when they heard the emperor's announcement, the two sons said, Father, let us go in search of the magic lake. We will help the prince and bring back the reward. The father agreed to let them go, but made them promise to return before the next new moon, in time to help with the harvest. So the two sons set off together. They journeyed from one beautiful lake to another, but nowhere could they find the magic lake where the sky touches the water. And they kept watching the moon. When they saw that it was almost new again, they knew it was time to return to their father as they had promised. So they sat down, and they thought what they would do. The younger brother said to the older, I know what we can do. We can fill our jars with this water right here. They'll never know the difference. Surely the emperor will reward us for our trouble. So the two boys went to the emperor, and they said they had water from the magic lake, even though it was a lie. When the sick prince was given a sip of it, he became no better. Then one of the doctors said, The water must be put into the golden flask. But when they brought the flask, a very strange thing happened. When the water was poured into the golden flask, poof, it vanished. The doctor said, The flask is telling us that the brothers have lied, for it will accept only water from the magic lake, the lake at the end of the world where the sky touches the water. The emperor was so angry he ordered that the boys be thrown into prison. Once again, the message went forth through the land, calling for someone to bring the precious water. When the father of the two boys heard what had happened to his sons, he was ashamed that his boys had lied. But then his little daughter, whose name was Sumak, stepped forward. Father, please let me go. I will find the magic lake, and perhaps I can save my brothers. And the father said, No, my little Sumak, you are too young. But she begged and pleaded, and finally her mother interceded on her behalf. At last the father gave his permission. After all, he said, we must think of our emperor and the sick prince. 
Sumak was excited to be setting out on this journey. Her mother gave her a woolen bag filled with toasted kernels of corn to eat along the way, and she had for company her pet Lama, who also carried her provisions. She'd gone only a little way when she saw a flock of birds pecking in a stony field. She felt sorry for them because they looked so hungry, so she threw them a handful of her corn. That first night, she curled up next to her llama under the overhang of a great rock, but all through the night she heard the hungry cry of the puma cat. She became afraid it would creep up and attack her llama, so she sent the llama home, and the next night she slept alone, hidden high up in the branches of a tree where the puma cat could not find her. The following morning, she woke up to the sound of voices. When she opened her eyes, she found that she was surrounded by birds. Amazingly, she could understand all they were saying. One bird said, This is the same girl who gave us corn when we were so hungry. And another said, Poor child, she'll never find the magic lake she is seeking. And another said, But of course we could help her. Hearing this, Sumak sat up and said, Oh, please help me. My brothers are in prison and the emperor's son is sick. Someone must go to the magic lake. The birds agreed. Each one reached under a wing and brought forth a special feather and gave it to Sumak. They told her to take the feathers and make a magic fan. They said that this would protect her in times of danger, taking her wherever she wished to go. One bird also warned her that she would have to face many dangers at the magic lake. He said, be brave and the fan will help you. Sumak thanked the birds for all their help. Then she held up the fan and said, I wish I were at the magic lake. In an instant, a soft breeze lifted her gently out of the tree, up, up into the sky, out over the mountain peaks, and it set her down on the shore of a beautiful lake. She realized that this must be the magic lake because here the sky touched the water. But what could she use for a container? Then she had an idea. She held up her magic fan and said, I wish I had a jar. And ping, the golden flask itself appeared at her feet. Sumak went to the water's edge and began filling the flask when suddenly a strange voice ordered, Leave the water alone! She turned and to her horror, she saw an enormous hairy-legged crab nearly the size of a pig coming after her. Quickly, she held up her fan and the crab fell asleep. No sooner had she quelled one danger when another appeared, this time a huge toothy alligator that emerged from the water and was coming straight for her, warning, leave the water alone. But once again, she held up the fan and the alligator toppled over and sank out of sight. Then there was a shrill screech from above and Sumak looked up to see a winged serpent descending from the sky, fire spitting from its eyes, shrieking, stay away, stay away, leave the water alone. For the third time, she raised her fan and the serpent fell to the shore, stunned and powerless. Now, finally, she could fill the flask without difficulty. As soon as this was done, she held up her fan and wished herself back at the emperor's palace. In a blink, there she was, in the very room where the prince laid spread out on the bed, pale and lifeless, the doctors standing beside him. Sumak went to his side and poured a sip of the water into his mouth. At once, the prince opened his eyes, and the colour came back into his cheeks. He sat up in his bed and drank some more. The emperor was overjoyed by his son's recovery, 
He offered Sumak any reward she could name. Sumak said, I desire only three things. First, I want my brothers to be set free. When they lied about the water, it was only because they wanted so much to succeed. They meant no harm. The emperor agreed. Next, said Sumak, I want my parents to be given a farm all their own, with herds of llamas and vacunas and alpacas to graze there. That way they'll never be poor again. The emperor agreed to this as well. And what is your third wish, he asked. My third wish is for the feathers of my fan to be returned to the birds who gave them to me. As soon as she said this, the feathers floated out of her hand, out the window. But won't you stay here and live with us at the palace, said the emperor. Oh no, said Sumak, you're very kind, but my place is with my parents and my brothers. They'll be missing me. So Sumak said goodbye to the emperor and his son, and when she reached home, she found that the royal workers had already arrived and were beginning construction of a fine new house and barn. That night, she and her brothers celebrated with their parents, rejoicing that the family was together again. She was also happy to be with her llama again. They all stayed up late into the night, hearing of Sumak's journey to the magic lake and how she had brought back the healing waters to cure the emperor's son. This story was retold by Christy West and is used by kind permission. So this has been a favorite story over the years, especially with my kids. There's something about the structure that is such a classic fairy tale, the journey, the trials and tribulations, the bravery of our heroine, and all the many themes and layers of the story. It's definitely a story with a strong female or feminine sensibility. It's not unusual that the hero of a story is often someone that's unexpected, but perhaps the gentleness of the young girl, the support of her mother in letting her take the journey even though her brothers have failed and her father is against it, it's quite an unusual take within a traditional tale. Sumak's kindness and compassion is a theme that runs through the story right from the start when she feeds the birds with the food that was meant for her, and all the way through until the end when she asks for the release of her brothers because she says they meant no harm. It speaks to a lesson that perhaps suggests that this is a time for a new world in business, a world where compassion and kindness are the way to achieve success, where gentleness and courage are a path to discover the truth and solve the world's problems. The story begins, long ago, the land that today we call Ecuador was part of a rich and prosperous Inca kingdom, but the ruling emperor was sad because his only son had fallen ill. What occurs to me is that the greatest prosperity and riches are worthless when the only child is ill and no one can save him. Only the gods may have an answer, and ultimately it's the simple farmer's daughter who can find the cure. It speaks to values, to what perhaps really matters in life. We've already seen how Sumac as an individual is brave and kind, and yet here it speaks to a more universal question. What should we value? I think this is a super important consideration as we, as entrepreneurs, put our work out into the world. What are the values we choose to bring to light? What do we stand for and how should we be remembered? Remember, the emperor's legacy is at risk. If his only child dies, there's no one to continue. In our world, what will we leave behind? What are we doing to make the world a better place? 
So this story really does bring out this gentle path, this way of being that's quite different to what we might be used to in the more usual violent fairy tales and folk tales that we hear, both when Sumak sends her llama home so it won't be harmed, but also the magic fan. It doesn't kill or harm the animals that are guarding the lake's water, but it just puts them to sleep or makes them somehow stunned so that they can't move. It doesn't speak of destroying them in any way. So I love that this shows that there's an alternative way of being. It shows that violence and harming others doesn't necessarily have to be the only possibility. And I think in business, this speaks to the responsibility that we have to being both ethical but also to thinking about the footprint we leave behind us. Like, what are we doing to be responsible for what we put out into the world? There's another element of the story that I'm often curious about, which is this idea that I've spoken about in in other episodes where I talk about this question that comes to me all the time, where initially it was with kids, but also where people often say to me, is that story true? And I think about this giant flying serpent with flames coming out of its eyes. And how can I say that that's true? How can I say that that's real? And yet, I have a belief that everything in stories comes from something real. And so maybe the beginnings of this story was a time where a young girl spoke of this moment where the snake that had come from a tree. It was a very, very large snake and it came out of a tree and it seemed to her that it was flying. Or maybe it speaks to a time where dragons were actually really around, where people had these experiences of seeing dragons and and seeing these somehow not quite real animals around them. But these experiences speak to me of a time where anything was possible. I love that in a business context because It speaks to no matter what we do, this element of truth being in there, this element of we can imagine and we can create and we can bring our creativity into all kinds of directions. But at the base, there has to be a sense of reality. There has to be a usefulness. There has to be a sense that this thing can work and can make a difference and can do something that actually has a practical application. I think in business, we often get stuck we face all these challenges. But once we find clarity and the path forward, then it almost seems like things fall into place magically. It almost feels like everything just sorts out. What we're struggling with disappears. And like Sumac, we find the water that's going to cure the prince and cure the world. But there's still challenges. And they're significant challenges. They're frightening and they're really big. And yet, like Sumac, we're equipped to handle those challenges. We have what it takes, we have the confidence, we have the clarity, and we have the tools to handle those enormous challenges. I think this really speaks to our journey. It's really insightful. So there's this interesting moment when Sumac asks that her brother's be forgiven, that they be let go, let out of prison, because they were only trying to be successful. That's what the text of the story says. And it would imply that, you know, motives matter and that Sumak really values success. The interesting thing is that I've been telling this story for years. And I only noticed when I went back to the text of the story that I dropped that piece on success, that I always tell the story that Sumak asks that her brothers be let go because they meant no harm. They didn't mean 
to lie, that they meant no harm. Somehow I dropped that piece on success. I don't quite know why. And I do think that this story does speak to uh, perhaps a message that it's okay to be ambitious. It's okay to step out, even as a woman, even as a young girl, and to say, I'm going to go and do that thing that seems almost impossible, and I'm going to save the world. If in this zeal to succeed, we misstep like her brothers did, then we need to be forgiven. And we need to look at intent. You know, in my case, I told the story that the intention was they meant no harm. The actual text of the story, it speaks to their desire for success. You can choose which way you want to read this story. But I think the message is very clearly, go out, be ambitious, do the things that you believe you can do, that you feel called to do, to change the world, to heal the world, and forgive yourself and others the mistakes that are made along the way. I'm Lisa Bloom, and you've been listening to Once Upon a Business. You can find out more about me at story-coach.com. That's story-coach.com. Once Upon a Business is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes shows such as Making It and Course Lab. This episode of Once Upon a Business was produced by Cynthia Lam. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Innie is our executive producer. So you don't miss the episodes that are coming up on Once Upon a Business. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you liked the show, well, you know what I'm going to say. If you liked the show, tell your friends. And if you didn't, as Maureen Potter would say in the Gaiety Theatre in Dublin, keep your breath to cool your porridge. But seriously, please leave us a starred review if you like the show. It really does help out. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.